0: About 10 years ago, I was in the Atlanta airport waiting to get a flight home to St. Louis, Missouri. When all of a sudden I looked up at the monitor, and this has happened to you, my flight was canceled. No reason, just canceled. There was one flight left that night from Atlanta to St. Louis. And if I didn't make that last flight, I would be stuck in the Atlanta airport all night long. I walked around the concourse muttering to myself, I would give up to half of my kingdom just for a ticket home to St. Louis. I sat down at my gate. I noticed next to me was an elderly gentleman, slightly overweight, Asleep, but with an airline ticket in his pocket. There was also a cane propped up against his seat. I thought, what a lucky break. I could snatch that guy's ticket. He wouldn't know it hit him. I could slip into the concourse crowd. He could chase me, but I'm sure I could outrun him. And then at the last moment, I would appear and I would give my tickets to the attendant and I'd be on my way home to St. Louis. What a great plan. I began thanking God for this great opportunity when all of a sudden it hit me. Reed Lessing Lutheran pastor lands in jail wasn't the headline I wanted to wake up to the next morning. So I went up to the Delta Airlines ticket counter. I poured on all of my charm and wit. I said, I just need to get a ticket home to St. Louis. Anything will do jumbo jet, 737, regional jet, crop duster, hang glider, kite. She wasn't impressed. She sternly looked at me and said, you're on the standby list. I thought, oh, no, the dreaded standby list. It reminded me of the time in high school where I almost made the varsity basketball team. It reminded me of a time in college where I almost got that date. Standby list. Ha! Story of my life. I slumped away from the ticket counter, and a guy standing next to me looked at me and said, "Huh, Looks like you're stuck, buddy. Big time." <laughs> that sets the stage for our sermon this weekend on the Old Testament prophet Zechariah. We're calling this series "Your Kingdom come." And this is how we began this worship service. This is how we'll end this worship service. This is how we will begin our prayers. It's all from Zechariah 9 verse 9. Behold, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation. The king comes, and with the king, he brings the kingdom. (laughs) And the kingdom of this king is one of gospel generosity, Grace and mercy, power and forgiveness, resurrection and life, that's the kingdom of God. And the kingdom comes throughout all 14 chapters of the Old Testament, Zechariah. Satan, though, will do everything in his power to keep you from the kingdom. Satan will do everything he can so you don't experience the joy and the power and the mercy of the coming king with his kingdom. That's why Satan says, (laughs) looks like you're stuck, buddy. Big time. That's the story in Zechariah chapter 3. It begins with accusation. Accusation. Zechariah 3, verse 1. Zechariah has these eight night visions. Zechariah chapter 1, 7 through 6, 15. And this is the fourth of the eight night visions. So God is showing Zechariah in this vision of the night, Joshua. This isn't Joshua the battle of Jericho, okay? That's the 15th century BC. This is a different Joshua. Uh, This is a Joshua who lives in the 6th century B.C. More specifically, this is 519 B.C. So there's just a different guy who's also named Joshua. And he is the high priest, and in the vision, he's standing before the Lord's messenger and the accuser. So the Hebrew word behind this English word, accuser, would be right up there, Satan. You know Hebrew, (laughs) Satan is simply the Hebrew word that means accuser. And he's standing at Joshua's right hand to satanize him. There the noun becomes a verb. To satanize him, to accuse him. Joshua, this high priest, we know a lot about him. He has just traveled 700 miles from Babylon to Jerusalem to serve as the high priest in the rebuilt temple. They're rebuilding the temple the Babylonians destroyed in 587 B.C. They're rebuilding the temple, which means they need a, a new high priest. And the high priest will sacrifice animals. And these animal blood sacrifices will cover the people with divine mercy and forgiveness. The kingdom of God is coming, right? The temple is being rebuilt. God is doing a new thing. And Satan says, Not so fast. Zechariah 3:3, Joshua, in this vision, was standing before the messenger clothed with filthy garments. The word behind this English word filthy in Zechariah's Hebrew is, is a word of, of massive pollution. It means garbage in some context. It means vomit in other contexts. This is stinky, this is smelly, and it smells a high holy heaven. When you see filthy, think about being covered in a sea of pollution. The accuser, Satan, throws the book at Joshua. Why is that? Because remember, Joshua's coming from Babylon, which means Joshua was born in Babylon. Uh, Joshua was born as one of the exiles in Babylon, which means he was born in an unholy, defiled land. That's why he's wearing filthy garments. Joshua is unholy, so how can he deliver God's holiness to unholy people when he himself is unholy? All seems lost. It's as though Joshua is on a standby list. Stuck in a noisy airport with pushy people. An allowed PA system with overpriced food. Think Chicago O'Hare. <laughs> and the enemy, Satan, comes beside Joshua and says, Looks like you're stuck, buddy. Big time. The accuser writes, Satan who satanizes us, who accuses us, uses the same strategy he uses with Joshua the high priest, right? He points out all of our filth, right? All of our moral pollution. He rubs our face in our filth. And and Satan satanizes us, accuses us, by reminding us that we live in an unholy and defiled land. say, what? I wasn't born in Babylon like Joshua the high priest. What do you mean I live in an unholy and defiled land? Oh, just think about it. We all are at home in the ghetto of gossip, the precinct of pride, the, the jungle of judgment, the slums of slander, If you've ever felt Satan pointing out all of your shortcomings and all of your shame and all of your coulda, woulda, shouldas, then you have felt him crush your heart. If you've ever felt absolutely alone, then you know it was all according to his plan. If you've ever felt useless and no good. It was his accusing finger pointing at you. That's how this vision begins. Accusation by the accuser. Doesn't stop there though. We move from accusation to intercession. Intercession. This is Jesus. This is Jesus throughout Zechariah chapter 3. And you say, Jesus, I thought this was the Old Testament. Jesus in the Old Testament? Jesus B.C. before Christ? Uh, Jesus before he's born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem? Yes. Yes. Jesus is the Son of God, certainly born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem. But Jesus is also God the Son. From eternity past, Jesus has existed. Jesus shows up throughout the Old Testament primarily as the messenger of the Lord. And he intercedes for Joshua the high priest. He takes up Joshua's cause five times. In Zechariah chapter 3, the messenger of the Lord. Is named. Take a look. Joshua the high priest was standing before the Lord's messenger. Joshua was standing before the messenger. The messenger said, The Lord's messenger was standing by. The Lord's messenger solemnly assured Joshua, The Lord's messenger is in Joshua's court. The Lord's messenger is in your court. In Zechariah chapter 3. We see Satan, the accuser. Is he really the enemy of our souls? You bet. Does Satan want to destroy your life and mine? Count on it. Is Satan a supernatural creature with great power? No doubt. Does Satan hate Jesus and us? No doubt about it. But there's also no doubt about this. When the messenger stands in our court, Satan has absolutely no power whatsoever. The messenger intercedes for people who feel the filth in their lives who feel hopeless and despairing, there's the messenger. And Zechariah calls Jesus more than just the messenger. In Zechariah chapter 3, we see Jesus in the Old Testament like no other chapter in the Old Testament. Did you know that? We have struck the lottery here. Jesus is not only the interceding messenger in Zechariah 3. In Zechariah 3 verse 8, Jesus is called the servant the servants. That takes us to the book of Isaiah. You know Isaiah has five servant songs. Uh, The most familiar, of course, is in chapter 53 of Isaiah, where this servant is stricken by God, smitten by God, and afflicted. This servant is pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquity. The punishment that brings us peace, I'm just quoting from Isaiah 53, the punishment that brings us peace is upon him and by his wounds we're healed. Wow. In Zechariah 3, Jesus, God the Son... Is the messenger, the interceding messenger. He's also the suffering servant. He's also the shoot. Now, don't think shoot verb like shoot a gun or shoot an arrow. Think shoot noun. A little growth coming up in springtime out of the warm ground. Shoot. Servant takes us to Isaiah. Shoot takes us to Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5. Behold, days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David, 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 big idea, of the house and lineage of David. I will raise up for David a righteous shoot, a, a little plant, and he will reign wisely, and he will do what is just and right in the land. Oh, my. So then in chapter 3... Verse 9 of Zechariah, this messenger who's the servant, who's the shoot, the new growth, is also called the stone. The stone. Uh, Which takes us to Psalm 118, verse 22. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Do you see the compelling, beautiful portrait of Jesus here in Zechariah chapter 3? So what does the accuser do in the presence of the interceding messenger, the suffering servant, the the new shoot, and the rejected stone? I'll tell you what happens to Satan because Zechariah tells us what happens to Satan. Zechariah 3 verse 2, the Lord rebuke you. Satan. The Lord who has chosen you, Jerusalem, rebuke you. This word rebuke has behind it anger and rage. Now, why is that? Listen closely. If someone really loves you, and you are in a pinch and in a pickle and in a bind, that person is going to come and rescue you, and that person is going to look at that other person who is making your life a living hell, and and your Savior is going to be full of wrath and indignation against your enemy. That's love. That's a fierce love. That's a love that is ready to rebuke the enemy and the messenger who's the servant, who's the shoot and the stone. He has that kind of fierce love for you. When Satan is accusing you and messing with you, this messenger rebukes Satan. He gets angry. He he shows wrath and rage. It's as though the messenger tells Satan in Zechariah 3 verse 2, who do you think you are? See, this is fierce love. Sometimes we think Jesus is just, you know, this this gentle Jesus, meek and mild, that he has no tenacity, no ferocious love. Oh, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus loves you with a fierce love. He tells Satan, who do you think you are? You have no authority in this court. Get out of this court, and I don't want to see your sorry face again. (laughs) That's the commitment Jesus has for you. He intercedes, right? We're moving from accusation to intercession. So Satan packs his bags. Satan goes home. Satan gets all his marbles and moves on. But not forever. 500 years later, The accuser is going to stand in the messenger's court again. And this time, Satan is going to send Judas to Gethsemane, Peter to the high priest's courtyard, Pontius Pilate to Jerusalem, Herod to his temple. Satan orchestrates all of this bloody mess So people will finally send Jesus to the cross. There is Isaiah's suffering servant. To quote again from Isaiah fifty three, he's led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers' side, he didn't open his mouth. Uh, There is Jeremiah's shoot, this new growth coming out, being stepped on and pruned and destroyed. And here's the stone that the builders reject, pulverized and crucified. But he's still the interceding messenger. Do you get that? He's still in your court. He says to all people... Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. So we move from accusation to intercession, even interceding for us on Good Friday, to resurrection. Resurrection, that's where Zachariah takes us. In chapter 4 of his book, He says that this temple that the Babylonians destroyed, 587 B.C., will be rebuilt by a man named Zerubbabel. He's the Persian-appointed governor of Judah. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, right, this new temple, taking a stone from Solomon's temple and putting it in the new temple And his hand shall also complete it. Uh, Get it? The, The destroyed temple in the Old Testament and the rebuilt temple in the Old Testament are a preview, are a foreshadowing, are a prophecy of the resurrection and the rebuilt temple. John 2, 19, Jesus says, destroy this temple. He's talking about himself. Destroy this temple and I will raise it on the third day. Oh, there's accusation, but there is resurrection. There is new life. Do you see the joy on Easter morning? Can you catch the delight? Do you see the the sheer ecstasy of people who go to the tomb looking for a dead carpenter, and he is very much alive? The servant has conquered death. The shoot is growing and stunningly beautiful. And the stone the builders rejected, that's Jesus, has become the cornerstone. And the Lord's done it. And it is still marvelous in our eyes. Baptized into Christ's Easter victory, please know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you are not stuck on a standby list. You don't have to live in despair and hopelessness. You don't have to live in your past. How can I be so sure? Because the messenger, the servant, the shoot, the stone is alive. And he stands in your court and he rebukes Satan for you. And he would rather die than live without you. And you say, can Jesus be that good? That kind? That forgiving? That powerful? Yes, 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 and yes. Jesus doesn't say everyone who succeeds. Jesus doesn't say everyone who achieves. Jesus says everyone who believes will be saved save from despair save from hopelessness and save from being on the forever standby list so i invite you to believe be saved be delivered because jesus has a ticket home for you <laughs> it's called the new heavens and the new earth What a vision Uh, from from the sheer hopelessness of of accusation to the intercession to the resurrection. And here's the takeaway today, the exhortation. Well, now what do I do, pastor? Well, here it is. Still Zechariah. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What does Joshua say in chapter 3 of Zechariah? Nothing. Doesn't say a word. See, it's not by my might or my power that I go up against the accuser, right? This is his battle. This is his job. This is what he does. It's not by might or power, but by the Spirit. Spirit. The Spirit, and the Spirit works through the Word, and the Word points us to the beauty and the mercy of Jesus. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians six seventeen: Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You want to live in more hope and more resiliency and more victory? Here's the exhortation. It's not by your might or power. It's by the Spirit, the Spirit who works through the Word. So here's what the sermon's all about today. SPAM. Great acronym. Satan persistently attacking me. Let the Word of God be the firewall of your life. When Satan reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. (laughs) It's called the lake of fire. Let the Word of God be that firewall for you against the persistent attacks of the enemy. So it's not by might, it's not by power. It's by God's Spirit.